You're tuned in to The Keetra Show and listening to SOB, Style of Business, the podcast with your host, Keetra. We aim to highlight the ongoing trek of entrepreneurs and business owners from around the globe, featuring stories that recount their struggles, experiences, and inevitable road to success and self-fulfillment. Welcome to SOB. Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in for another truly fantastic episode of SOB Style of Business, the podcast. This is Keetra here with you today, and we have a fantastic episode where we're going to be talking about uh, music production, the industry. We're talking to a gentleman by the name of Jazz Feezy. He is a music producer and sound designer. His company, Jazz Feezy Productions and Publishing, those guys are doing some wonderful things across multiple, multiple, multiple musical genres. So I just wanted to have him drop in and talk to us about his career and how things are going. So let's get rolling. Hey, what's up, Jazz? How you doing? I am doing absolutely great. How about yourself? I'm doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Thanks so much for asking. And also, thanks so much for joining us. We truly appreciate it. We finally got you scheduled. And uh, we're ready to chat with you. So uh, give us a background. Let us know like how you got started in the industry and how you're making moves. Well, for me, I was one of those kids that, uh, unfortunately, in high school, I wasn't the, I wasn't so romanticized with uh, doing schoolwork. You know, like I, I got the math. I couldn't understand why we're coloring maps and the whole geography aspect. But uh, when I was in high school, I kind of found out in the tail end. It's different down there in Canada. We do a grade system, eleven and twelve. Do you guys have junior and senior down there? Exactly. Yes, we do. So I guess you could say the senior or the final two years, I just decided I was I was always listening to music and I was just a fan. And so what ended up happening was, is, uh, and this is obviously many years ago, this is in 2004 or 5, CDs were like the thing back then. They were like the <laughs> yeah. cutting edge of technology. So a lot of uh, younger people are going to be like, CDs, what are those? But in our era... We have, like, let's say, like, 50 cents, get rich or die trying. We had, like, and this is when they got Ja Rule out of here, poor guy, but we had these mixtapes that were, it would literally just be, like, a whole tape of discs going back and forth. What I used to do is I used to take, okay, I really like this 50 cent record, and I really like this Ja Rule record that he answered back. So, like, a DJ, except without having turntables, I would have this program called Soundforge. I would put both songs back to back, and I'd have one cross-fading into another, and the fact that I could do that, saying, hey, I don't need, like, $100,000 system to have the DJ turntables and I can still do the same concept, that's what's kind of segued and kind of got me into doing music to begin with in high school. And then I went to college. I went one year. I did really well. But then I just told my dad, like, I can't do this. Yeah. He helped me put up some of the money with mine. I went to a private school called Harris Institute, which is kind of like the recording academy uh, in L.A. They kind of take you through engineering and sound design. I did that for about a year. At the same time, I met Boy Wonder and T-Minus, who back then were doing beat battles. They were just popping off back in 05, 06. And ever since then, it's just I just kept in contact, network, network. It's kind of like a cockroach. No matter how many times you said, don't do music, yeah. I would survive the next year and find a way to find myself to be in the right place around the right players. Exactly. Yeah. And I can tell you haven't looked back ever since because I see that things are continuing to pop off of you and things are happening, as you said. So let's talk a bit about some of the work you've done. I know you've worked with a lot of different artists, indie and major alike. And tell us about, I guess, let's get into maybe your first project that you produced and then tell us about your first big project. Okay. So do we want to segue or do we want to talk about, because there was a time when I actually signed to Boy Wonder in 2010 to 2012, the first 
The first record record I did was a record for Machine Gun Kelly called Running, and they ended up using it in the trailer uh, in the Mandela movie. I think it's called uh, Walk to Freedom. So that was yeah. my first, first actual placement. Oh, wow. Okay. Outside of that, though, when I left, uh, it's not that I left. I just never decided to re-sign post-2012. I wanted to do stuff myself. My first, first record was off of uh, T.I.'s Paperwork album, and it was T.I. featuring Rick Ross, where literally I locked myself in from 2013 to 2014 till the album was done. And I probably submitted, like, I would say, honestly, maybe about 150 beats. One made it, but it was that was my first project where Pharrell was the executive producer, and I was just sending a bunch of records for T.I. just for the purpose of, hey, maybe I can get a placement on this record. Now, this is important, because I know there's a... I know I probably have some music heads that are listening, especially for those that are kind of cutting their teeth in the production. Like what, give us the rundown of how that works. Okay, you get started, you fresh out of college, you get these opportunities with Boy Wonder, you're getting some things done. What does that look like when you are producing tracks and producing tracks and yet you have like a hundred plus tracks and then, you know, all of a sudden only one of them gets placed. Like give us the rundown of how that process works. So, um, depending on, uh, in, in both cases, it doesn't matter if it was MGK or TI, the whole situation would be this. If I was still being signed to Wonder, I would ask him, hey, for Machine Gun Kelly, what is the narrative of the album? What kind of records or what kind of, I guess you could say, inspirations is he pulling from? Mm-hmm. Meaning, does this guy want a trap beat? Does he want something a little more with guitars? Does he want live instruments? And then same with TI, I would say, uh, to MLK, his, uh, his DJ, the one I was working closely with, is, you know, what are the feels? What exactly is he doing? And this is an important question that you have to ask. What is already on the album that I'm not going to duplicate? Because here's the thing. If he has 17 trap records and he's looking for the pop one, it's better not to do another trap. It's way better in your your situation to go try for the pop one that hasn't been created yet. Exactly. You know, and and I guess let me just step back here just a moment just to kind of clarify. But what, what is that process for you as a producer who is working so hard to get that placement? Like what... What is going through your mind? Like, what type of hours are you putting in? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how does that look for somebody who is just trying to get that one placement? I can't speak for others, but I remember that period of time, I would just have, like, in the back of my mind, okay, I'm going to do breakfast, I'm going to do lunch, and I'm probably going to do dinner. I probably have that in between four to five hours, so I'm not wasting too much time worrying and thinking about food, because just like anything, we don't got to think about how much time we're putting towards eating. And then each day would probably anywhere between 10 to 12 hours. Now, when you're making music, it's like if you were uh, making a story for, I don't know, or even doing a comic comedy sketch or whatever. Not every day are you going to come with the most fire jokes or the best beats. So there's going to be days where you put 10 hours in, you get half a beat done. There might be other days where you put 10 hours in, you might get three beats done or, or 10 beats done or whatever. It's just being consistent and just having the... The end goal is to get the placement. It's just having the understanding that not every day is going to be a success or not every day are you going to get that one record. It might be you spent three whole months and at the end of the last day of the last third month, you finally get it. Just keeping that vision and just know that if you work hard enough, you can get it. Exactly. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that and you touched on it because like with music production, that's more... I guess the creativity that you put into it and what you think might be fire one day, you know, it may not necessarily be what you need at the time. But as far as your production work goes, and I know that you also do sound engineering, like, did you start off with a specific genre of music or have you always just been interested in different types of music? I think that's the funny thing about it. 
an East Indian uh, background. When my when I was growing up, my mom would watch those horrific four or five hour Bollywood <laughs> movies where they're super musical, they're super over the top. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Like, exactly, like yeah. the stereotype is absolute. Like there's a field, and these guys are taking an hour to get close to each other for the romantic kiss, and you have all this great music. So there's there's that side of my house that I grew up where I lived in a predominantly white neighborhood. So guys listen to rock. So by vicinity. I didn't have any, like, again, I was literally the only brown kid in, let's say, a city of, like, at the time was maybe 30,000. I would always be the only influenced in rock, and back then, I didn't have, like, the internet wasn't really a thing, so if my friend had a CD, okay, I'd listen to it, where one day, finally, the Ice Cube CD came to me, I heard this song, put your back into it, and I'm like, what is this music? Mm-hmm. And that's what kind of, like, got me into, okay, there is something else other than rock, and the horrific stuff my mom's listening to over here. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, and, and you know what? I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that as well because speaking of like the whole Bollywood, I know that those guys use a lot of different instruments and you know vocals, and it, it can get pretty outrageous. But uh, just out of curiosity, though, like, do you use like any live instruments when it comes to the sound design, or how do you incorporate that, if any, any instruments? Instruments. So even back, uh, I used to only have like a computer mic or a webcam mic in the early 2000s. I would just kind of just record my own sounds because it's not like back then we had things like splice and all this stuff. I'd have to literally take a pot, hit the pot, record it, clean that sound up so it was as clear as I could be, and there's a snare. I'd have to literally stomp on the ground and actually record the kick and manipulate the sound. So it comes from sound designing lawyers. It was a necessity because I didn't know or I couldn't afford the, let's say, the $1,200 PR-808 machine I didn't have that kind of money. I was only like 17, 18. So I said, the only thing I could do is the art of manipulation. I have a mic, record my sound, and try to get it as close as I can. But that's what got me into the sound designing is I can't afford that. But what can I do to replicate that? So I'm still on the cutting edge of I'm close enough. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I know like now you have all these different technologies and apps and mixing boards and you know, I know at one point that was like the Fruity Loops and, you know, all all that different stuff that was uh, you could easily access and do music production on. But the music industry, like it is constantly changing. There's new technologies, there's easier ways to get things done. How has this evolution kind of helped you in the studio? Well, back in the day, you'd have to have like a session player or someone, let's say for instance, I didn't play keys or I didn't play guitar. Okay, now I need to go find a, a gentleman or a female Someone who can do piano, guitar, but now in this era, our phones, we can go download an app that can basically play all your chords and even pretty much play what a piano player would. You could just have the MIDI notes come, you drop it in, let's say, in your digital audio workstation being Fruity Loops, Logic, uh, Pro Tools, whatever, you throw up a piano, uh, piano VST, throw in the notes, and now you yourself are the piano player where you have to, you know, they have to pay someone 50 to 100 bucks a day just to sit there and play your melodies and do that if you weren't obviously savvy in guitar or piano. So the fact that now you can almost 100% fake everything, yeah. it's so hard to tell if you listen to 98% of the music that's on the radio now, hey, is that a real piano person that's actually doing it or are they just kind of just like, you know, finesse it to where everyone's thinking, oh, this guy's a great piano player. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's... That's a bit comical. Yeah, but I, I definitely know what you're talking about. And I, I wanted to ask you about memorable moments in the studio. But before I get to that, another thing, too, that I, I probably should have mentioned earlier. Can you give us just a, a overview of I know you're a music producer, obviously 
people know what that is, but give us a rundown of your title, the sound designer. Like, give us an overview of what that is for those of us who might not be familiar. So a sound designer, I guess, some of the stuff, the best way you can kind of describe it, and again, even to the day, people are still trying to give it a true definition, but my understanding would be, if you have absolute silence, and whether you're recording a microphone, whether you're recording a guitar, whether you're recording, if there's something where there's no absolute sound that you're working with, there's no pre-existing files, you go on there, record something on the mic, and start engineering it, adding effects, adding different distortions. At the end of the day, if you end up coming and making your own snare, your own kick, your own vocal chop, you, in fact, are sound designing. And even within music, I'm sure when people think of uh, the record I want one, Drake and Khaled and them, that sound, that art, that wah, 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 that never existed before. So that in itself, that is a whole thing of sound design because you're taking something that never existed prior and now you're making it the popular sound. And then ever since that record, you can think of how many influences came from that one sound. So essentially sound design is, is something that's never happened. Like even trap now. Trap's always yeah. been found back in the Little John era, but now it's coming back even more and it's just people are like, oh, it's going to be over, but every year it keeps being popular. And the sound design of trap is just so, I guess you could say vibrant and so warm that people just want to keep hearing more of it. It just, it just becomes infectious. Exactly. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there, Jazz. I mean, it, it's definitely, uh, it's lively, you know, and it makes you want to move or do your twist or whatever type of dance moves, moves people are doing now. But uh, I can't believe I said twist. <laughs> That's funny. Let's talk about memorable moments in the studio. And this, you don't necessarily have to, um, not necessarily with, uh, I don't know, maybe it could be an artist that you've worked with, but anything that kind of stands out or any moments that you had that like, oh man, this is one of the craziest times I've been in here laying down tracks and this has happened. You know, can you share anything with us? I got a couple. So one of them, when I was down to Boy Wonder, um, one of the trips we got to do, we got to go out to LA back in, I want to say the tail end of 2011. I could be, I could be 12. It, it was one of the years, I don't remember the exact, but it's when Kendrick Lamar was recording swimming pools. And what had happened was, this is kind of funny to me. I had no idea who the gentleman was, but he said, hey, you know where the bathroom is? I go, yeah, it's over there. Okay, cool. I go back in the studio. That same gentleman ends up, he managed to go through beach. He hears swimming pools, starts riding, cuts it right away. And I, I go, oh, who's this guy? Like, oh, that's Kendrick. He, he, he literally just like, he's one of the new artists uh, that we signed to Interscope. He's huge. He's going to be huge. I had no idea that the guy just told who the bathroom where it was. A whole year later, when swimming pools happen, it's like number one, it's doing all these things. I laughed back and I said, what if I was a prick to that guy? And I said, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And I sent him to the closet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely one for the books. At least you didn't send him to the closet, again, though. you don't know what record's going to be. He's just going through his B catalog. Who knew a whole year later that, hey, that's going to be that? But just to be, you know, just to see some of the process and how he writes, how quick he is, and how he's articulating with the style of beat that he chooses... That just tells you the degree and the pedigree of artist that he is, that he sees the vision while he's hearing each one of these records, that is it going to work for his project or is it not? Which yeah. is very important for, as you know, in this era, uh, an artist to kind of have their longevity. Exactly. Yeah, I think uh, sometimes it kind of, well, it depends on who it is. When you have artists that are putting out content like Kendrick Lamar and some of the other heavyweights, I mean, it's, you can definitely tell the difference between that and a fly-by-night rapper or, you know, artist. So... Definitely kudos. Yeah, definitely kudos to him. And you said you had another moment that you wanted to share as well. Right. After my deal with uh, Boy Wonder, the first time I actually got to be in the studio where 
I was the big dog in the room kind of thing. Yeah. I had to work out of Phase One Studios, so I had a record that I was producing, getting it mixed and mastered, and just the feeling of you're the guy, finally you get your moment, it was just fascinating to me that when I was getting the song mixed and mastered, the gentleman's name was George Sierra, very prolific uh, engineer, it was so incredible to have your final shot where, you know, here's the thing, you sign no producer, who knows if you ever get your moment, which yeah. is, depending on how you look at it, it's really up to the person, but when you actually get to be the person in the room and you get to conducting, okay, this is how I want to mix, this is how I want to master, just the whole process and just getting that type of, I guess, lesson, it's almost inv invaluable because I, I look at that moment, that kind of pretty much shifted the rest of my career, and even up until now, I always remember, hey, after my deal, and I got to be the, the, the first guy in the room, and the only guy in the room and kind of just directed, it just gave me confidence that I can look back and say, yeah, I can really do this. Yeah, those are the learning moments, I, I would definitely say. And Jazz, I, I'm curious, like, who are you listening to? Like, is there anything new we should be streaming? Anything that you uh, have on the horizon? I always tell people this. For the people like the Boy Wonders, the T-Minuses, Hip Boys, watch the artists that keep on them. I heard about Joanie Lucas maybe two years ago, and obviously if you heard the recent Eminem album, yeah. that guy absolutely destroyed that record. And I'm just thinking, like, you know, now the producers, now that they're kind of becoming the artists, the Murder Beats, the Metros, it's very interesting to see who they keep around them and when they keep their best beats and they have their own, like, I think it was Metro, he had Offset and Drake on that one record, No, no Complaints. Yeah. It's really amazing to see the artists now becoming the producers and that's becoming more of a, a normal thing. So I would say in terms of that, I listen to a lot of the stuff Murder Beats is doing, a lot of the stuff that Joyner is going to be doing. And just, uh, I don't know, I, I always just look at what producers and what people they got on the come up. Other than that, I'm, I'm just like everyone else. I listen to the, the, what is it, the top new music or new music Fridays on Spotify, uh, Rap Caviar, and obviously uh, Viral 50, because it's always just good to see on the other side of the world who's breaking through in China, who's breaking through in Spain, and what's actually coming to everyone's ears kind of now. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely. Like Viral 50. Uh, yeah, that's that kind of gives you an overall glimpse. So that's some good news you can use. And so tell us a little bit about we're going to we're going to get back into the production side of things. Do you find it to be a different process when it comes to producing music for, let's say, an album versus a mixtape? See, if you had me, if you asked me this question 10 years ago, I would say there's completely a different thing now. It's almost like some people's albums are mixtapes and some mixtapes are albums. It's very hard to decipher, but I think I treat both of them the same process. It's really take artists, whomever. Yeah. Take T.I. I'm always working with T.I. I'm going to ask him, hey, what are we doing here on this album? What's the feel and what's the message you're going to do? And he's going to tell me in a couple sentences, hey, I really feel strongly about this and this album I want to reflect this. Cool. The next thing I'm going to ask is what type of records are we going to garner towards this? I think it doesn't matter if it's mixtape or album or even a single. It's just having the trust and the relationship and the communication with the artist to decipher what exactly you're creating. And then if it goes on a mixtape or album, they're wording on what they're going to call the project. Yeah, and I know you do quite a bit of research when it comes to kind of working with these different artists and personalities so that you can be on point when it comes to putting together uh, tracks for them. What's your favorite genre? Like, do you do you have a favorite I mean, obviously, I'm going to obviously lean towards a little more of hip-hop and R&B, but, I mean, I'm really loving some of the old-school stuff, like uh, LMA, uh, Khalid. Like, some of these guys are doing a little more of the throwback 90s R&B with a little more of the trap soul, Bracey Pillar type drums now. Yeah. It's just very interesting 
to hear great singing on some dark such stuff, some happy such stuff. So I would lean towards a little more R&B than hip hop, but I would say now because there's nothing wrong with the '90s R&B, but that was from another era. For now, for my general listening pleasure, it's going to be that because it's hard for me to listen to hip hop without me sitting there going, "Well, that snare is wrong, and why yeah. do you use this bit away? And how come they mix it this way?" It becomes more of a job than just me just zoning out and just enjoying something that I. I have nothing to worry about. Yeah, yeah, you start criticizing. It's like the chef that criticizes the other, the chef, you know, <laughs> at a restaurant across town. So I totally, I totally get that. I totally agree. <laughs> exactly, right? Right, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, Jazz. I, I want to know, like, who is your favorite producer, or do you have a favorite production team? I'm going to say, if we're talking the era I grew up in, it would be Dr. Dre, Timberland, and Swiss Beats by far. But oh, wow. But if we're yeah. going with the current regime, like now, I would go with Born Wonder, T-Minus, Hip Boy, Frank Dukes, Louis Bell, Murder Beats. It's just now, this era where you don't have to have the million-dollar budgets, and those budgets don't even exist, it's just so much more interesting to see that only the strongest beats kind of survive. Because now, if there's no money and people aren't really making that much compared to the 90s, you have to be a lot more, I guess you have to say, creative in the way you make music, where... I'm sure if you watch the stuff with Dr. Dre, Swiss, and Timberland, they'll say, like, yeah, I'm in the studio for hours, and you see Engineer, it's a beautiful million-dollar studio. Those aren't being recreated by a lot of the guys that are on top now. They're very modest, and it's just the speakers and the laptops are the desktops. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, the beauty of technology for sure. And um, who are, like, some of the individuals that inspired you to pursue your career? I know you mentioned your dad supported you when you decided that you were going to, you know, stop attending college or whatever, but... Do you have anybody else in mind that was influential in getting you started? No, I didn't. I was, again, it was just it was just my own persistence. But I mean, again, I got to shout out Boy Wonder. I've been this whole time. He's kind of given me the the whole light and the green light to be kind of signed to him, kind of understand what it's like to be under a, a top tier producer, and then even just giving me the flip to uh, uh, I guess the freedom to say, hey, do it on your own. It's all good. And we're still boys today. I mean, I still call him and just say, hey, how's it going? And I guess he's definitely a, a pivotal part. Him and T-Minus, they both uh, played a crucial part. But outside of that, it's just people like the DJ MLK that are around T.I., uh, people like the Olivers that are around Drake. Yeah. It's just having the people that gave you a shot and just really appreciating their time. Because, again, my email or me hitting them up saying, hey, I'd love to send music for T.I., Drake, or whomever, they don't necessarily have to even play it because how many other people are doing the same damn thing for them? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right about that. I guess before we get ready to wrap up here, any upcoming releases that you have? Oh, that's what I meant to I checked out, you had a couple of, uh, I know you co-produce a lot and there's some things that you have on, on Spotify. So that's why I, I wanted to ask you, like, did you, do you have any upcoming, any upcoming EPs or mixtapes or things like that that you're working on? Yeah, so a big part of my career, I, I kind of split it into two segues. Okay. Obviously the artist side, being able to work with us like T.I., Drake, Yachty, and and a lot of the other uh, artists I was able to work with. The new side I actually was able to discover from 2017 to now is the sync side. So for stuff for TV, film, video games, commercials, now what I'm doing is I'm finding a lot of unsigned artists because that's the easiest way to get clearance. A lot of people that are very hungry, but their skills aren't the sharpest yet. I'm able to now work with a lot more independent or unsigned people to make the best kind of music to submit for, let's say, you know, like the next year's NBA 2K20 for the video game score, or even like doing stuff in Ballers or Empire or, or Star. So for now, I'm doing a lot more stuff in the sync world, which is TV and film. So that's that's kind of the exciting thing. So I can find an un, 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 uh, unsigned artist and kind of make a jazz season feature them. So I'm 
branding myself as an artist, but at the same time, I'm kind of bringing someone else new to the new to the table that normally would never be visible. Absolutely, yeah, no, because you you have some hot stuff on. Um, I've seen a couple of collaborations that you had on on Spotify, so that was definitely cool. So before we wrap up, Jazz, uh, let us know what advice would you offer an aspiring producer? Like, how could they get started? Back when, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So are we talking about they, they want to just get their, their first workstation, or are we just talking about someone that is thinking about production or doesn't really know how to go about Exactly. It? Yep, the latter. Yep, thinking about it, but doesn't know how Got to you. get started. In this era, uh, back then I didn't have that much. There wasn't that much on the Internet. In this era, you can literally type in YouTube and type in best programming software for music production. You can type in best mic or most affordable mic at $100 price range. Depending on your budget and how seriously you want to invest in yourself, I would do tons of research. There are so many reviews. There's just so much knowledge out there, whether it's YouTube, whether it's, it's Google, Amazon. Like All the reviews, they'll tell you, like, hey, based on this many people that have bought this product, this is what it's going to do. You have to just research and just be absolutely crucial that, okay, if I'm going to pick up Pro Tools, let's say, you have to be absolutely sure that if you're going to go to it, you're going to spend six months. You're going to understand you're going to suck for six months. You might suck for a year, but after the year, and if you put in your 10,000 hours, whether it takes two, three, six years to do it, eventually you'll get good. But you can never stop learning because just because you master Pro Tools, okay, now someone says, okay, we're in a session, we've got to do logic. How do you navigate around another workstation? It's just you have to just keep learning, learning, learning. And also, the most important thing is, don't be stuck becoming a basement producer. It's great we can make all this music in our basements, but you still have to get off your bike, go to the labels, go to networking events, meet another producer that, hey, you might do hip-hop, they might do R&B, team up together. You never know when that other person breaks through and you have a bunch of collab beats with them, and now they're like, hey, you know what? This record we're doing together, it might work for this artist. You just have to just keep networking and just be, I guess you just have to be, uh, that's what I'm looking for. Persistent. Just consistent. Just yeah. Keep yeah, consistent and persistent. You just have to just, without being annoying, just following up with a bunch of people, but showing them, yes, I am very serious about doing music and showing people that you are very great at communication and you have a great turnaround because if you can show those things, you get more and more gigs and get to the spot where you become the person producing for the bigger artists or TV shows or whatever your, I guess, your, uh, your desire is going to be. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that you have to get out of the basement you have to get out of the basement and actually do some, some work, which is good, you know, because it gets you to the next level. All right, perfect. Let's see, Jazz Feezy. Let us know where we can find out more about Jazz Feezy Productions and Publishing. Leave us your social media handles, all that other good stuff, and uh, any upcoming projects that you have coming out. Uh, the ones I can talk about, uh, everything is going to be jazzfeezy.com. I usually do a little news news thing if there's anything big that's coming up, but as far as Splice, if you're on Splice and you're looking for sounds, I got my own label there. Very fortunate that they were able to do that. So I always got maybe a new pack, whether it's uh, piano samples, piano loops, or drum kits. I do probably about one or two, a couple every two, three months. If you're an upcoming producer and you don't know where to get free sounds, I teamed up with Lander. All you got to do is go to Lander, L-A-N-D-R.com, and there's 750 free sounds there for you. You know, I did the same thing when I was younger. I didn't know where to get the sounds. I'm just giving back to all the community that, okay, if you don't have any free sounds or you don't know where to get snares or loops or whatever, here's 750, you know, do your best, and at least that'll get people off the ground. Outside of that, I'm going to be doing a lot of free tutorials and just a lot of stuff with gaming on Twitch. 
Twitch, it's Jazz Feasley. YouTube, Jazz Feasley. Instagram, Twitter, same thing, it's me. Only thing I'm not on, because I've seen a Joker do this, I'm a happily married man. Some character put my profile on Tinder. <laughs> I'm not about that left. I'm out. <laughs> if there's someone saying they're me, it ain't me. All right, perfect. You guys have heard the exclusive right here. Jazz Feezy is not on Tinder, ladies. Please do not not. try to connect with him on Tinder. That is fake. All right. Thanks so much for joining, Jazz. We'll definitely have you back here in the future um, and definitely wishing you much success. Thank you so much. And I appreciate your time and just you giving the insight to your audience and just giving creatives like myself the opportunity to kind of just open up and kind of just show a little behind the scenes of just having the conversation. Your interviewing style and everything is very excellent. I do appreciate your time and the opportunity as well. Likewise. Thanks so much, Jazz. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks for hanging out with us here on SOB. We hope this episode has been resourceful. If you'd like to check out the latest articles or follow Keetra's website updates, just log on to Keetra.com or follow her on Twitter at K-E-E-T-R-I-A.